everyone, welcome back to the Look Mom Hustling podcast, episode number 24. We have a great guest on today. If you follow our vlog on It's Drew and Sarah, we actually ordered some mushrooms from a DIY kit from Little Acre Gourmet Mushrooms. Mm-hmm. We ended up, yeah, buying, growing and eating them. Cooking and made a whole video about it. We did, <laughs> yeah. We just love the whole concept from branding, the product, the philosophy and just, yeah, growing your own mushrooms or growing your own food. But yeah, we wanted to get the owner on just to have a chat. So we have Mickey from Little Acre. How are you on today, mate? Really well. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So it's, um, I look forward to like talking everything about mushrooms. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're interested to hear about everything about it because obviously <laughs> – being just general day-to-day consumers, you just go to the shops and you buy your normal sort of button mushrooms. You don't have that much experience delving into different varieties and stuff. So we're going to touch on all things mushroom, running a small business, um, branding, pretty much going to dive into all of it today. So pretty mm-hmm. excited. So do you want to maybe just kick us off and tell us a bit about yourself and about Little Acre Gourmet Mushrooms? Absolutely. Yeah. I, w- I used to be that person who used to go to the shops and buy the button mushrooms. So it's not... This is like a, it's a weird scenario these days where our lives are just all consuming about mushrooms, but we lived a life which was nothing to do with mushrooms. But yeah, Little Acre is um, founded by myself and my wife and uh, Amy, and she, we built it just from the ground up and it's been going for around four to five years now. And we started Little Acre just simply by, we were just living our lives and we're, I was in the business space and um, Amy was a graphic designer in marketing and we got given a mushroom grow kit and as a gift and we saw it, got it, started playing around with it and we grew these gourmet mushrooms from a kit, just like the kits that we now sell. And um, we were fascinated by it. And I just thought, how did they get something like a living organism inside a box? How did they? How did that happen? And yeah. so we started researching it and looking it up and it just became really fascinated in the whole world of mycology, which is the study of, of fungi and mushrooms. Yep. And I was working in the city, um, mentoring small businesses at the time. And I was at my computer and I was like, I wonder if anyone is supplying gourmet mushrooms to Brisbane restaurants, because I was always looking for business ideas, opportunities. We were always playing in different areas. And I started researching and I was, I just couldn't believe that there was no one doing this. And I, I sat the computer and I, I thought, oh my God, I think I found a hole in the market, yeah. which is so hard to find these days where mm-hmm. it, you think of an idea or a product, you look it up, someone's already doing it. Someone's already doing this. And it just happened to be at that time that in Brisbane, where there was nobody supplying, um, a great variety of these gourmet mushrooms to restaurants. And we had friends in the restaurant scene. So we started asking them, hey, um, if we grew gourmet mushrooms, would you be interested? And they were very interested because restaurants and especially the fine dining ones, they're always trying to find something new and something yeah. that's not available. And and so we immediately realized, like, if we could grow these mushrooms, we could really capitalize on an opportunity here. And so we just started delving in, started reading books about how to grow mushrooms, uh, And we really started off by thinking about it as a small business, about how we're going to structure it and grow it. And we did a course in Sydney. Um, Some good friends of ours now uh, from Milkwood were running a course in Sydney um, at the time, an in-person weekend course about how to grow gourmet mushrooms. And we contacted them and they were completely booked out. And we were like, 
and and they only ran them every number of times a year and we were like please we have to do this course we really i just yeah. thought we need to jump on this now and an opportunity um came up just at the last minute we booked flights to sydney flew down and in that class i was sitting there and i was like we are doing this we this is this is the best because it just it tapped into so many areas which we love to focus on it had agriculture it had a lot of science my previous um, background is i did marine science at uq mm -hmm. and so i love the science aspect of of mushrooms and fungi and it had the restaurant scene the food scene in it and the environmental scene and and the business part so it like encompassed everything all of our passions into one and at that moment we thought we're going to do this and we just started putting every, all of our energy and time into growing Little Acre. And that's how it sort of just started very small um, under our house, mixing stuff in buckets, yeah. um, trial and error. Some of the things that I look back now, I just think it's so funny of how we, because a lot of the information we were pulling for was from the US about how to grow mushrooms and they have different substrate materials. They might be using right. straw, yeah. for example. They weren't, they weren't using sugarcane mulch, which is a very common ingredient on the East coast of Australia. So um i i didn't even think about sugarcane at the time and so we were mucking around with straw which was more of a hassle in the end and yeah it's just and it's just evolved um quite rapidly actually um to where we are now we've got a team of 11 people after about wow. four years so it's really grown quite quite crazy and it's just been full on yeah it's so inspiring encouraging just to see you like you guys just be interested and passionate about something and then you know make the trip down and and just go head first into a whole new venture like that, especially with no crazy amount of mushroom knowledge and stuff. Um, it's super right, interesting. Yeah. Where'd you get, where'd you get that initial grow kit from? Was that like from Australia or do you ship it from overseas? It was, uh, cause I, cause we now delve into, we keep a tab on everything that's going on worldwide in the mushroom scene. That yep. particular kit was an American kit, um, that had been brought over. I think they must've brought in a, a bunch and started selling them at some stores and, um, Amy's cousin um, gave it to us as a gift. So it just came our way that time. And then, yeah, I think we still got the original box somewhere of that, of that kit. Um, so it's cool. really funny now that we are supplying um, just loads of these kits these days, especially since COVID, it's really pivoted our business to, mm -hmm. to have more branches in it. And the grow kit part is a huge part of the company now. And yeah, uh, yeah it's just, it, it, it's funny to look back about looking at this little grow kit and now, um, yeah, we're able to provide that same experience of, of growing those mushrooms because at the store, I would just buy the button mushrooms. You make a pasta with the mushrooms. You just live your life. You just go, yeah, that's mushrooms. But when you, if you've never tried other mushrooms, you don't realize what you're missing out on. And I remember us growing those mushrooms um, and cooking them up. And then I was just like, oh my God, this is like a completely different taste experience. And I like, I, I, um, my partner, she's more leans more to the vegetarian side, but I do like meat. And I remember when we cooked these mushrooms, I was like, you know what, if we just had a variety of different mushrooms, I definitely could like reduce my intake massively because they just filled another gap. They're just completely not like the button mushrooms because um, they're just grown in a different way and a different type of fungi. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's that sort of experience that now we can provide others by letting them grow all these weird and wonderful gourmet mushrooms at home. And hopefully that takes them down like a food route or a small business route, or just being able to grow more for themselves and experience what there is to offer. 
Yeah, it's yeah. so interesting. All the mushrooms, like you said, they're they're all so different in texture and flavor and stuff. Even the three types that we got from you guys were all so different. It's our first time cooking and trying lion's mane, which we've heard a little bit about online. Yeah. Why did you choose the species that you're growing? Is it just due to like reliability and and you know that they're going to perform in most households in most conditions? What's the reasoning behind choosing the specifics um, of the yeah. species that you cultivate? Yeah, so that's exactly it. So there's, we grow around a dozen different um, varieties here on the farm and most of them are different species. Uh, and some of them are extremely finicky and they need like high humidity, lower temperatures. And, and even for experienced growers, you can have ups and downs with them. So the grow kits, we really had to try and make them bulletproof because yeah, we, we do send them around the country they, and they're grown from like far North Queensland all the way to Southern Australia. So they're experiencing a wide range of conditions. And so we chose specific oyster varieties and the lion's mane mushroom, which can handle more ambient room temperatures to grow upon. Some they do have a little bit some nuances, but we tried to pick ones that were appealing, were fast growing. Um, and the lion's mane one particular, there's there's a lot of buzz around the lion's mane mushroom as a supplement for coffee and and medicinal mushroom. And so we we thought this would be great if this could be a product we could supply and just so happens that it is a pretty easy mushroom to grow um, at those sort of room temperatures. So we, so that one became part of our range, I think, at the end of last year or middle of last year, which really took off yeah. um, that space there, yeah. Yeah, like I was so surprised like how tasty the lion's main one. We made it into like crab cakes because we're both plant-based as well. Nice. So yeah, 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 so it was just amazing like just how much you could – flavor you could actually get out of it and just, just like the... mix it in with like some breadcrumbs and end up just tasting like a little chicken schnitzel patty kind yeah. of thing it was amazing yeah really, really nice it was super yum and yeah we've also noticed the the space with supplements with the teas the coffees all that kind of thing we noticed that you did a collab with a gin company which was cool have you got um or mm. do you have any plans going into that supplement space or anything like that Gardens in the future stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get asked that a lot. In in terms of we did the we we love doing collaborations. We did a beer collaboration with New Said Brewery a few years ago, making a Alliance Main beer, and we've only got a couple of cans of that left now, um, which was great. Um, anything to get into like that sort of scene, I love that. And then the gin, um, they used pink oyster mushrooms to, in the distill, and it gave it a bit of a savoury note through the gin, which is great. So we love doing like collaborations in terms of the medicinal powders. There's just such a vast variety of ways you can go in the mushroom space. There's just so many avenues. And so um, really putting on our business hats, I guess, we really had to be like, okay, we've got to focus on very specific areas here. Otherwise, we're going to dilute our, ourselves. And so we have focused on three main areas, which we were trying to stick to, which is the fresh mushroom supply, yep. the, the grow kits, and letting people grow at home and the education. So mm -hmm. we don't have any plans at this space to go into medicinal space. There's a, there's a number of companies which are doing a great job in that area. Um, and I feel like, yeah, we're, we're going on a different route, but yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I did have a question here. Where was it? Uh... Oh yeah, because you did, did mention, sorry, where was it? Bear with me. You're good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it was in addition to the, at 
the Grow at Home kits, you run the educational classes, which we thought was absolutely amazing for people who are wanting to, you know, take it that little bit more seriously or do it at a larger scale. Mm -hmm. What made you focus more on that aspect of the business as well as producing the product? Yeah, we when we started producing mushrooms, it was really early in that we actually decided to start providing some education. Uh, and part of that was people just didn't know about these mushrooms. Like even today when you go to the market, they see a pink oyster, they say, is that is that dyed that colour? Have you added something to that? What is that? Like can you eat it as a poisonous? And so there's a lot of information that people just don't know. And so we thought we could we could run some educational classes to provide that and it was just a demand for knowledge in that space uh, and it also was building the brand awareness so we had chefs that hadn't played in this in um with those mushrooms particularly especially the lion's mane mushroom because it's such a fragile mushroom it's why you don't see it in stores that often because it can't be transported long distances mm. so the chefs really had never come across it they'd heard of it but they hadn't ever used it and so there was a demand from from both people coming to us at the market store which is how we first started and also chefs so when we first started the educational class we had a great variety of people in there um, from businesses that we supplied through to people that we used to sell to at the market and we just love to share that knowledge and it's just it was just like another gap in the market in that space of providing a really great class up in Brisbane where there was not that opportunity. And so when we started running those courses, they became super popular. And, and now we've, we keep, we keep running them. I think we run them around about every two months at the moment. And then we've ended up developing an online version. As soon as COVID happened, we pivoted and we spent like six weeks, just like just all day and all night, just filming and editing and just producing this online course ourselves so that we could get it out there that we always wanted to do. But but the, when COVID happened, it sort of pushed us to make it happen. And so yep. we're really happy about how we've done that. But yeah, it's just providing that knowledge and so that others can grow at home because it's super, mushrooms are an amazing product where you've got your vegetable garden, you're growing your vegetables, your seeds and mushrooms can be a part of that and they grow on agricultural waste products and using some really um, easy techniques you can grow a huge variety of especially oyster mushrooms at home for very little cost and so showing people that gives us great joy and yeah see where people take that yeah you mentioned the education and obviously been pretty tumultuous a couple of years with COVID and everything why do you think it's so important for people to start thinking about growing their own food like you said you grow a veggie garden a lot of people probably don't consider or are aware that there are DIY mushroom grow kits available that make life super easy. They come with a little pamphlet, show you how to do everything. Why do you think it's important for people to start thinking about um, creating their own food sources in this sort of new climate that we're living in? Yeah, since COVID happened, that when we when COVID happened, of course, we lost all of our restaurants overnight. Yeah, but our, we luckily had just created grow kits uh, a number of months earlier. And so wow. through our online store, it just like exploded. And we, it, I feel like mushroom growing became like the new, like indoor plant yeah. phase. Like everyone wanted to start growing mushrooms and, and growing their own food at home in particular. And I mean, there's a number of things that I think is really important with that. Like the variety that you just can't simply get some of the variety of mushrooms that you can get, but you can grow yourself really easily yeah. at the shops. 
Um, and that goes for all food, like all vegetables as well. Like if you're only sticking towards some of the big supermarkets, you're really narrowly eating a small selection of produce. And there's That's just so true. much wild and wonderful stuff that you can grow. Um, like everyone knows that growing a tomato at home, it just tastes so much better than growing something, than buying something from the store. And the same goes for mushrooms. If you can eat the, some of these mushrooms fresh straight off um, from where they're growing, they have a, such a different texture and flavor. A lot of the um, so whole range of exotic mushrooms that are uh, actually brought into Australia on ships. And so they're quite old. Um, and there's techniques they use to try and keep them stable as they bring them across. And they, they become rubbery and they, they don't have the texture. And, and we, especially when we started supplying restaurants, they noticed that. And you, by growing them at home, can also experience like those great variety of mushrooms that are sometimes only um, put in front of like the fine dining scene. It allows people to grow them themselves. And also they're super fun, I mean, high quality. And food miles is a massive thing these days of mm -hmm. where is our food coming from. Um, by by growing your own food, it it it's going to produce. It's going to lower some of the pressure on the planet, and kids love it as well. Mushrooms. Um, some people are really surprised to know that mushrooms they just grow so quickly, especially like some of our grow kits. Within seven to ten days, you'll have a bunch of mushrooms. Where if you're growing a small like a, a plant, they yeah. take weeks and weeks and weeks. months to grow up yeah. a, a carrot, for example. Whereas mushrooms, they just grow so incredibly fast. Um, they're, they're great for kids to learn how to grow their own food and cook with. And yeah, it encompasses a whole range of things. Yeah. I reckon it'd be an awesome gift for, for kids that are sort of, you know, eco-conscious and their parents are trying to, you know, yeah. keep them attached to the real world, but also elderly people. Like I was going to send my mum one. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if she'd be interested or not, but <laughs> what's your average sort of demographic like? Do people generally buy them because they're interested to grow themselves and then they sort of transition into the educational stuff or are they more for like gifts? Like what's your sort of, demographic and like what's your like basket size and that sort of thing yeah uh, our demographic is really widely ranging um it probably in terms of like very specific very specific nuances it's probably it leans more towards the female demographic mm -hmm. um but we've got it, most of our kits are more bought for gifts mm -hmm. and we now offer a um like a free message like if you buy a kit on our website We'll write a message on a on a card and add mm -hmm. that to the pack for free. And I can tell because of the number of people that are like happy birthday or happy housewarming or Christmas. And it's just like huge amounts of those. So it's like, okay, these are a lot of gifts going on here. So you've got a lot of gifts. And so the grow kits, we've sort of, we've thought, especially from a business perspective, we've thought, what is this product? Like, what is it? Why? Why is this in the marketplace? And we've, so we've thought, okay, this is a great gift. It's in a great gift price point. We're going to provide everything in the pack and the look of the pack to appeal to that area. And mm -hmm. then, so that is one section there. And then if you wanted to grow mushrooms at home on scale, like large volumes using sugarcane, we also have products for that area as well by providing mushroom spawn and um, techniques and education in that space. So we're trying to like provide an area for everything in that space. So the grow kits are just like, you just add water and it just goes, you know, and then the other, we've got some other products which you provide, you need to put some more effort in. Um, but some people really want to learn the nuances, especially just like when I, we first started, we got the grow kit. Um, but I really wanted to know like how, what is in this? Like, how did they make this? And so now you can do that as well through a number of products on our website. But yeah, 
it's it's mostly um, definitely gifts, and you'll and we find like especially now we are literally just about to burst onto the the Christmas scene. Um, mm-hmm. So we have been gearing up for that because it's the biggest time of the year for us here. Yeah, amazing. It was definitely your branding that sort mm. of attracted us in the first place. You mentioned earlier that your partner, Amy, was a graphic designer. Did she design the logo, the packaging? The, the packaging and oh. that's the, the branding itself. Even the website is yes. super, like it's so clean, easy to use. Like I was, I just loved like grabbing it and it was just, it was so cute. Like yeah. it was awesome. Really, really cute. Yeah. Um, talk us through yeah, 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 the yeah, brand she, she did. stuff. Yeah. yeah, Amy's super proud of the logo. It's an amazing. I grew I drew like a really badly drawn image, just like two <laughs> mushrooms, like little smiling <laughs> mushrooms and like little acre. And I said that, turn that into something that's amazing. Yeah. And she did, and she made the logo. Yeah. She said it's the, it's the best logo she's ever made. Um and so yeah, we're it's part of where well, we're so uh just in love with that that part of the brand and so yeah being but from her being from a branding perspective she's been able to craft everything so yeah all of the design and packaging is all being crafted by herself and now our recently launched website is through a good friend of ours who's now in our marketing team and her and my and amy together have built this website and we're we're trying to i mean from the outside it looks like wow this this is like the a huge team of people have built this, but it's actually just a couple of people at their laptops just trying to craft like the best experience and really in tune with how how do the everyday people when they come to the website, like what do they want to see and what do they want to link to and trying to make it as easy as possible and take take those cues from other big brands and, and brands that we admire. We try and put those ideas into our brand and website. Um, we 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 recent well not recently but when we first started the business we were in Tokyo and so we tried to like that cutesy Japanesey sort of yeah. style yeah. of logo that's what we sort of inspired us into that logo that we've got um, and yeah it's it's been a hit ever since so yeah the I all credit goes to Amy for the for for making that happen yeah the website's like I said super clean the branding super clean like obviously just a, a small subsample of two people but I reckon you've now that I. Like I'm a pretty critical person. I don't think there's much you can really change or improve on. It's amazing. Thanks so much. I think the reason I've found your website is we were looking at, I was looking at uh, Lion's Main Supplements or like a coffee substitute or something. And I found the DIY kit and then I f- like found you guys and then we bought them. But I didn't recall seeing much competition. You said four years ago or whenever you guys sort of started, you had that initial grow kit. Um, you found a gap in the market. Has there been a development in that area since? I imagine it's probably... A lot bigger overseas than it is here um what's the competition like and like what do you think sort of sets you guys apart is it the branding is it just first to market like what, do, what are your thoughts about that yeah in terms of in terms of competition over the last number of years i guess in there would be more competition in terms of fresh mushroom growers across the country yeah mm-hmm. uh, we've seen we've seen growers pop up in most capital cities, um, supplying fresh mushrooms. Um, so that has happened. And in Brisbane, people come and go um, from that space. We've we've seen multiple people come and go. It's a really difficult um, area to try and grow, I guess. Like it, when you're first starting, I guess with most things, if you, like if you took like baking bread, for example, most people can bake 
a couple of loaves of bread. But if you said now bake 100 loaves of bread, that's mm. actually really difficult. You like, yeah. how are you supposed to like get that many ingredients and mix that stuff together? So uh, when we first started, we retrofitted some shipping containers together um, and started growing out of the shipping containers. And we got a lot of publicity early on because I guess it was a really novel new thing mm-hmm. that the media hadn't seen before. And so that helped build our brand really relatively quickly. Uh, and, and it's taking it from like doing around, we were doing around 80 to hundred kilos per week and trying to take that to go from uh, fresh mushrooms to like 500 kilos a week. And that's actually really difficult. You need like quite, first of all, a really strong supply of the substrate material that you're growing upon, um, the spawn side of things and just like the bags that the mushrooms go into. So everything scales up. And so in terms of competition, we don't feel like there's, we still feel like we're the dominant player, especially mm-hmm. in Southeast Queensland, um, because we know that it is difficult to jump into that space. And in terms of the grow kits, we don't have that much competition in the grow kits because we know the difficulty in trying to produce um, a quality kit and a variety like what we've done. Um, we've literally just put all of our life savings into growing the business um, step by step. And we started with, when we first did a grow kit, we we did it. We didn't have all the boxes. Like we've got about six varieties now. They're all in different colored boxes. They all the um, packaging is printed um, only a suburb away from us here in Brisbane. Oh, wow. So it's all Australian, Australian packaging. But at this time I was like, okay, this is the packaging we need. There's no way that I can afford to to print a lion's man box, a pink oyster box, a white oyster box. So we printed one box and then used stickers on the front and would mm-hmm. stick what variety the mushrooms were on the front, which was like an easy way to try and get a small quantity of boxes so so that we could get the ball rolling. And we just slowly grew it. And so everything's just, um, it seems, I guess from the outside, it seems fast. For us, it seems sometimes it seems slow in trying to grow the the packaging and the products and we've had different iterations of the packaging over time but uh, we are still um, a huge player in the grow kit space Um, and I think that's because we're we have focused on on the gift area that's like Mm -hmm. that's part of our appeal is that like you said like the branding and the and the look of the grow kits is something that we've really strived for and I would say what sets us apart from some of the other players in the marketplace is we sell mushroom grow kits to people that don't know what a mushroom is. They've never seen a mushroom grow kit. They've never thought about the mushroom grow kit before in their lives. Whereas some of the other people in the, in the marketplace in Australia, they're focusing their grow kits on people that, that are actively looking for mushroom products and Mm -hmm. they're, they're interested in growing mushrooms. Whereas we try and target people on Facebook that you're just scrolling on Facebook. Next thing Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, what the hell is this? It's a lion's man grow kit, and you're like, oh, I didn't know this even it was a product, and you buy it for your cousin, and then they get it, and they've never seen it before. So that's that's like the niche that in terms of like the the grow kit sector, we've gotten the. I feel like we're in the niche of you don't know that you want the product until you see the product, and then the branding and the the kit sells it to you. Yeah, so just onboarding a whole new um, demographic of people that would be unexposed un- unexposed to it. But as it's, I guess, yeah. basically, what you've said there is then. The business is not going to double in size overnight like a like a mushroom would. Um, no, what, no. Do you, want, <laughs> do you want to talk to us a bit about the facility and the farm and sort of your day to day runnings? Um, you said you had eleven. I think you said eleven staff. Uh, yeah. What is it? What does all the goings on look like there? Um, I'm 
super curious of what it, what it looks like. Do you have huge tons of substrate and stuff lying around? Like I'm, I'm very curious about how the, the, the runnings of the business goes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, when we first, when we first like put all of our money into it, we, um, through a friend of a friend got a space in West end in Brisbane. Anyone knows West end. It's a very, um, trendy area, um, in the inner city, a lot of cafes, a lot of, um, a great nightlife scene, etc. And we, had a bit of a car park that we managed to put some shipping containers on and grow the brand. So it really helped us by being in the inner city and that being in that trendy area. We quickly outgrew that. Um, and so now we're on the north side of Brisbane and we have a, it's a very nondescript warehouse from the outside. You would have no idea what's going on. And so, yeah, inside we've got a number of areas. So in mushroom growing, you've got, you've basically, you if you're growing vegetables, you start with mushroom seeds. I mean, vegetable seeds, right? <laughs> and you plant the vegetable seeds. You buy those seeds most likely from a seed supplier. For mm-hmm. us, um, we actually produce our own, I guess, what you could call mushroom seeds. And what it is, is it's called mushroom spawn. Mm-hmm. And it's it's made of, so for people that have never heard of this concept, it sounds a bit weird, but basically what it is, is we use grains and we sterilize grains under high temperature and heat to sterilize them completely. So they're completely void of any molds or bacteria or anything that's growing on this wheat grain. Mm -hmm. And then we introduce some mushroom culture. Um, And we've got, we've recently built a laboratory here um, in our building. And so we've got a a great pair in the lab and they basically culture the mushrooms. And so culturing the mushrooms, it's, it's seems super sciencey. And basically you just take a piece of the tissue of a fresh mushroom, for example, and if you place that on a, an agar plate under sterile conditions, the mushroom fruiting body will revert into mycelium. And mycelium is the organism of, from where the mushroom comes from. It's like a network of white material. And you basically can essentially clone the species of mushroom that you want onto an agar plate. And then that agar is placed onto wheat grain. For example, that's what we use. And we make mushroom spawn. So the mycelium covers all the wheat grain all over and produces this white grain and essentially what it is it's just wheat grain that's that's been killed off its cells have died because it's been sterilized and now mycelium's living on the outside and we mix that that grain in with substrate and that's how we start off mushroom blocks so the there's multiple stages of the business we've got the the laboratory which is creating all of our own cultures. So we're one of the only farms in Australia that actually produces our own spawn on site. So we do all of the processes ourselves um, and that helps us manage, especially what species we, we're not, we're not tied to any company sort of saying like, this is what's available now. This is what's available here. We can grow anything we want at any time. And so we've got a huge genetic culture bank here and we, we create all our own spawn. And so that's one part of the, part of the business there and then the um through the warehouse we've got the manufacturing side so we grow on hardwood sawdust and so we um, bring the sawdust in and we mix that with soybean hulls and these are australian grown soy so it's non-gmo and we mix that together with water and that's essentially the medium that the mushrooms are growing upon and we use this mix because the mushrooms that we grow are saprophytic mushrooms which means that they're wood loving and they mm-hmm. decompose timber in nature. And so they really love the, the wood 
So we tick that box and we also tick another box with the soybean is it provides a lot of more nutrients into the wood, which helps them grow a lot faster and a lot bigger quickly. And so those two things are mixed with water. Um, we've got a mixing machine and a bagging machine. And so we bag out the material into bags and then they're put into a large autoclave, which we've got here, which is essentially just a giant pressure cooker. <laughs> and we um, sterilize those blocks at 121 degrees for four hours. And that basically sterilizes all of that material. And if you didn't do that, what would happen is you would have molds that would just, because in the air where we're all just living our daily lives, there's 10,000 mold spores for every cubic meter of air. So mold is just everywhere, all sorts of varieties. And, and normally you never have any problems with them. So they're landing on anything at any time. So that's why if you leave bread out, that's a bit moist, it can go like a blue-green colour with the trichoderma. That's the genus of mould that causes that. And so if you have wet sawdust in a bag, it's got it's going to get mouldy um, very quickly. So what you have to do is you sterilise it to kill off those moulds so that when we introduce the mushroom spawn into that, into that bag, we only grow the culture that we want to grow. Mm. We're not growing some competitor moulds. Yeah. So that's done. They're put into an incubation room. And in mushroom growing, we have to incubate the bags at around 24 degrees for a number of weeks, depends on the species. Mm -hmm. So oyster, for example, is one of the fastest ways, and that's two weeks. And what happens in that incubation space is the bag is completely colonized with mycelium. So the mycelium works its way through the substrate, consuming a lot of the cellulose and lignin in the substrate, and the block goes completely white. And it's at that moment, generally, where it's ready to fruit a mushroom because what it's done is it's consumed all the nutrition in the block and it wants mm -hmm. to fruit. So the fruit is just like the sexual reproductive organ of yep. the organism. And we have the, we've still got some of the original shipping containers that we've brought from West End, but now we've got a purpose-built grow room facility down the back, which is completely um, computer controlled with climate and it measures constantly um, carbon dioxide, humidity and fresh air intake. And it's always um, basically topping up any of those number of factors to make the perfect climate for the mushrooms they're placed in there and the mushrooms because it's such a, a predetermined climate that we know is suitable they burst out of the bags where we cut them cut the holes just like a grow kit yep. um, but just a larger version and then we harvest those mushrooms they're brought into the into the kitchen and they're packed um, twice a week so we we um, deliver to restaurants um, twice a week in Brisbane. And we do all of our own deliveries. We don't use any wholesalers. And we've done that right, right from the beginning. When we first started, we had, we've had almost all of wholesalers in Brisbane want to supply our mushrooms to restaurants. But we made a strategic decision at the beginning because we had such demand ourselves. We First of all, we didn't need the wholesalers to try and get us into the restaurant scene. Yep. And also it allows us to build really strong relationships. Some of the restaurants that we brought on the first week, we still supply them weekly and now. So we've got really um, strong friendships even with a lot of the chefs in Brisbane and some of that would be lost if we were using a wholesale network. So we've decided not to go down that route. And so we, we um, have our own delivery vehicle and we deliver our mushrooms all across the city twice a week. And that's, that is like the fresh mushroom side of things. And then you've got the, the grow kit side of things. So very similar process. Um, and we do that once a week where we make the grow kits. And we're just gearing up now to make, we're, we're doing around a thousand grow kits a week, um, about to start off. 
sports, Christmas. Yeah, so we, we are pumping. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of boxing up of grow kits each week. They're incubated, and now we have a dispatch room where we have someone that basically, if you order a grow kit, we dispatch it within um, a couple of hours. It comes out the door, um, and so it's like those those are like the two engines running the room. We've got the laboratory, and we've got the production house going. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the e-commerce side of things. So we're, it's an unusual business model, I guess, in terms of we are running a farm, essentially is what you would call it because mm-hmm. we're providing produce, <clears throat> but we also run an e-commerce company on the side as well. And they're both yeah. both large parts of the business. So it's managing both of those areas and different people in the business sort of um, focus on different areas. Mm-hmm. I love all of it. Like, yeah, I how in house yeah, it is. Like, I, it's absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, you don't get many companies like that at all that don't outsource whatsoever. Like, it's. I'm getting flashbacks because I don't know if you know, I did biology for three years at uni, then I transferred to nutrition. So it's sort of all in my wheelhouse. Okay, yeah. But there was, nice. a guy, there was a guy I went to uni with that was hardcore into mushrooms. And I went to his place for a few sort of study sessions. And he had a spare bedroom in his parents' house set up. Uh, agar plates everywhere, bags of substrate all over the place. And that's where <laughs> I got introduced to it. And that was 2014. Yeah. Um, but I never, he was, I'm pretty sure, microdosing like all the time. Like you can't keep up with the way sure. he's like leveling out and mm-hmm. like doing all these science. It was very <laughs> yeah. uh, intense guy, um, but I can picture the entire setup for sure. Mm-hmm. I think we yeah. first really got into mycelium through like Star Trek, right? It, it was. Yeah. Have you heard of? You've probably heard of Paul Stamets. Yeah. yeah so Absolutely. we were watching Star Trek and like in the new series, mm. one of the guys is ma- named after it and the whole, well, the whole series uh, is yeah, about the, mycelium network in the space. And, and like transporting through there, which is absolutely amazing. And then he led us into, yeah, the Fantastic Fungi movie or oh, documentary, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, have you ever been like foraging yourself or is there like any places where people can go to forage at all? There's a number of places that are great for foraging in Southern Australia. Up in Brisbane, it's a little bit more difficult to forage for mushrooms to eat, for example. I joke in my class that if you want to go foraging, you should find a really old man or a really old woman that has done it before because obviously they haven't died from it. And so yeah. that's <laughs> what you need to look for yeah, because for sure. it can be, it can be um, challenging. Um, Amy just the other day told me a, a chef ate some what they're called ghost fungus they look a lot like oyster mushrooms but at night they glow in the dark so if something glows in the dark definitely doesn't sound great <laughs> um, and that he accidentally did that and got very ill so it can be yeah. very dangerous if you don't know what you're looking for there's there are some specific mushrooms in more um probably as you head towards uh middle of new south wales down like um saffron pine milk um mushrooms and and slippery jacks these mushrooms are very specific and they don't really look like anything else. So people forage for those um, in Brisbane. The climate's just not that great for foraging for those types of mushrooms because it's so hot and dry here. It's either it's either really cool and dry or really hot and wet and mushrooms prefer a cool and wet environment. So they're not great. But in terms of looking for fungi to photograph, there's a great plethora of fungi up um just behind Brisbane in some of the mountain ranges, you can find really wonderful fungi as you, as you trek. Um, and where, if we do that, um, if we get some time away and we do something like that, where the people on the walking trail are walking along, like looking down 
and like people are just like what are these two doing like you're not because most people just look forward and look at the yeah. birds and we're like looking mm-hmm. at the dirt the whole time Very antisocial <laughs> looking at the ground <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah so we're we're those people that try and look for but i mean it's an amazing space um foraging for mushrooms and and looking for weird and wonderful mushrooms in in queensland we're lucky enough to have a mycological society in brisbane um not all cities have them but some cities do and you can basically go on forays with them and they will basically they're made up of a lot of people that are from tertiary education that have retired now and so they've got a lot of experience in looking for mushrooms and fungi mm-hmm. and know what to id and so you can go on walks with those types of people but we stick with the growing of them mostly yeah. Sounds like you guys have your hands full of obviously just in the whole mushroom world. Are you guys into growing or learning about other things? Like, uh, do you grow asparagus or like, do you guys into any other sort of stuff like that on the side that you're potentially looking at in the future? We, um, apart from just like growing stuff to eat for ourselves, which yep. I've been meaning to build, like, I keep telling the staff here that we're building like these vegetable gardens out the back, like these raised veggie beds. And it's like never happening. And I feel like no one believes that will ever happen anymore. Cause we just, I just feel like we never get time to build these bloody beds. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we don't have any plans on really going into anything other than mushrooms. Um, there's some people dabble in, if you dabble in mushrooms, you can dabble in microgreens because okay, they're yep. fast growing crop that you can grow indoors as well. Um, which is true. But I mean, yeah, like you said, we're just like flat out on focusing on mushrooms. So, and we've become like, we've become the mushroom people. So we're, we're into mushrooms, but uh, yeah. I can see the business getting like gigantic yeah. just based on what you said, the branding, um, just the, the lack of sort of competitors, especially in the, the DIY kits. I can, I can see it just only getting bigger. It's, it's super, super impressive. And yeah. 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 Just, I want to grow it at a bigger scale. The first thing I said, once we've harvested and cooked, that first batch, I'm like, I want to set up some sort of small thing in the garage. Yeah. Um, obviously, it takes a lot of research and stuff, and which will come to you guys for the, the educational <laughs> stuff. But yeah, it's yeah, no, yeah, I, you can rig yeah. up, you can rig up basic things. Like when we first did it in our house in Paddington, when we first started, we like built, we just put like a little greenhouse that you got from the hardware store, like under mm. the house, and I put like styrofoam on the outside of it to try and like insulate it, and then we pulled uh, like portable aircon out of our bedroom to like cool the room down. <laughs> and we were like growing all these crazy mushrooms in there and like the real estate actually must have been like what is going on in this house like it definitely looked like a drug den under the house yeah. um but yeah it depends on like how crazy you get like when we first started we were like just doing everything to try and make make the mushrooms but uh, there's a lot of people that have like a really simple setup in their like laundry or uh just just to make basically a space where you've got nice nice fresh airflow and you can provide some humidity and it's cool and you can grow like a nice amount of mushrooms in very small spaces. Yeah, so good. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to try to start their own, whether it's a food growing business or mushrooms or even just like a small business in the general? Business aspect, yeah. yeah small, like, there's, 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 like you said, there's all the supplements and stuff coming out now. I feel like mm-hmm. just small business and in the health food space is only going to grow. Um, yeah, what advice would you have? coming from a small business sort of experience in the background and moving into like the food sort of world, what advice would you give to someone start wanting to starting something new? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's super exciting to run your own business and definitely, um, I, like I say to Amy, it, it's at least our life's not boring. It's very stressful <laughs> to try, especially when having, um, building more and more employees, you've got a lot of responsibility, 
um, with people's livelihoods. Mm-hmm. But I would say, I would say, when you're first starting out in any small business, is you got you really want to find out like, uh, like what is your why? Like, why do you exist in the marketplace? If you're just going to say, I just want to make bread and sell it. It's just like, but there's many people making bread and selling it. Like, what is your why? And if it sounds harsh, but I think if your why is because I want to make money, you won't, you will not succeed because the problem is if you're really focused on making money at the very, very beginning, it's going to be such a bumpy road for you as you grow your business there's going to be massive dark times and if you don't have the passion in what you're doing you'll never be able to rise up through those dark times and and money normally is not the passion for a lot of people to be able to rise up through those darker times so i would i would say if you're looking to start anything in the food scene or any scene you really want to be passionate about what you're doing and why you're doing it um and try and work out how to make money um at the beginning but not to be the core focus and and just trying to work out like why do you exist like what's your unique selling point yeah um people look for like a usp so a unique selling point if in your product and i mean a lot of the major products like in the shopping center like in the foods area they've got unique selling points of why they're also on the shelves next to another person so you want to try and work out what your unique selling point is in your product and try and push that in a passionate way and you've just got to put so much energy in. When we were first starting, if you're not working 24-7 in your business at the beginning, you're not working hard enough. You've got to, you've got to be pumping it because there is every single thing is coming down, is trying to squash you. Like everything is – and when you're such a small person, I mean, and we're not big by any means. Like if you're trying to get products, um, supplies, people are like, who are you? Like you're some kid like playing – like they don't they don't take you seriously Mm -hmm. and so you've you've got to be pumping and you've got to be passionate and you've got to have like huge drive like when we first started i was working in the city amy i would come back to the to the farm in west end and she was working all day and she was mixing substrates so much that she was she was getting pins and needles in her arms and her hands all day because she was working that hard like you've got to really work like really passionately and hard to try and push through because you're you'll just become like tomorrow's product if you don't try and succeed and try and push yourself so i would say you've got to have real drive and the only way to have that real drive is to be passionate about what you're doing is specifically if it's a service or a product and try and have a unique selling point by having a unique selling point it's going to help differentiate you in the marketplace and it's going to allow people to see you more um, when people, when you go to the shops, there's just so much variety. We are bombarded with just constant ads and, and a huge range of products that pe- you are going to be lost. So you want to try and stand out and try and find out your why and try and find your unique selling point is a real key to that, I think. Yeah, if, it, if you're just chasing the money and you just want to make, make as much money as possible, you're going to end up cutting corners and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Absolutely. It's obviously, it's obviously you guys are like very on top of it. You're cutting out the middleman in terms of wholesalers and going direct to the, to the restaurants, restaurants and stuff. And you're just having, yes. you know, all the money in, and stuff and the staff in place. Um, but then all the networking as well goes hand in hand. Do you, do you see a time where the grow kits are available in supermarkets or it's just not feasible due to like the lifespan of, of the mycelium and stuff in the box? 
We we supply a number of the grow kits to a, a number of retailers already. So we we stock um, Biome, which is a great um, Brisbane-based business. They also have a store in Melbourne, um, and we supply Harris Farm Markets in Brisbane oh, as wow. well with the grow kits. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't we haven't brought them down to Sydney yet, but hopefully um, we can make that happen. And um, Flora and Fauna Online as well, a big eco store online. We supply them, so we pick the products for that. The Pink Oyster Grow Kit, which just happens to be the most popular from our our store, um, just doesn't last very long boxed up. And so what yeah. used to happen is we used to supply stores with them, and they would sit there for many months, and then they wouldn't grow. So we had to pull them out of stores, and so we can only supply them through our own store because they're made fresh. But the mm-hmm. other products that we're selling um, will be able to be able to stay in the store. So we supply a number of stores, but it's just keeping up with the demand really. Like um, doing a thousand grow kits a week is maxing out our facility pretty hard. Uh, so it'll yeah, we'll have to definitely like grow the infrastructure to be able to supply more than that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, hopefully this is a commonly found product more often. So allow people to grow gourmet mushrooms at home and hopefully soon people won't be too afraid to try all of these mushrooms. You find them in the supermarket a little bit, but to be able to grow them yourself is a whole nother thing. Yeah. Do you, are you able to grow, what, what are those, the King Oyster? We really love them. And then Anoki, we use them a lot. We get them from the Asian supermarket. Mm. Are they able to be grown at home or are they just, just hard to sort of do? The King Oyster, King Oyster is one of our most popular grow, um, mushrooms for restaurants. Yeah. And it is, it's relatively not too difficult, but the only thing is it needs to have lower temperatures. So in the low twenties as a maximum, mm-hmm. um, which is difficult in people's houses. So that's why there's no, we yeah. don't supply grow kit in that. Gotcha. But we do teach the technique to grow them. Um, and then in cooler climates, you can grow them without uh, much infrastructure in the cooler months. Um, so that, that is, and the enoki that likes really cold temperatures. So you're talking like between one and 10 degrees. It wow. likes to grow, you know, grow. You've chosen the two ones that like the coolest of climates. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. just thinking if you were to grow them at home, <laughs> you'd, you'd need four different, um, setups of different temperatures going, which would make, yeah. make sense of why you can't scale it up to a huge, huge level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't grow enoki, um, because for that reason, we would have to have a completely different setup for that one specific species. Um, maybe in the future, but at the moment we we try and choose something that that can fit within the realms of what we've already built. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love the the entire brand, the philosophy of growing at home, the branding and everything. Um, you said you got a huge Christmas run up. You got a lot of stuff to box up. So we'll get you out of here in a second. You did mention at the start that you do have a a new variety coming out. Do you want to give us a quick plug about that and uh, what, how yeah. that maybe is different to the other ones that you got? I've got it. I've got it right here. Oh, yeah, this is the, this is the gold. So we've been, we always think about what else that we can bring to the market. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's tricky because yeah, you've got to choose something that can survive in a box, um, and be happy about it. And they relatively, they all don't like being boxed up. They always want to try and get out. Um, but the gold (laughs) oyster is, it's an amazing, um, oyster mushroom and it's just like such a bright yellow color. So it's, it's really impressive looking and a lot of um, growers that grow and sell at market stalls, they grow the, the gold oyster because it's a really like, it's a, it's a head turner. It brings people yeah. over to your stall, especially like the pink oyster. So I think it complements the pink oyster because they're 
they're both bright colors and the, the gold oyster mushroom is a tropical mushroom so it can grow at a warmer temperature so it's ideal for growing inside oh, people's yeah. homes so that's the new variety that we've got launching um and that'll that's running at the moment so uh yeah we're we're pumping out the gold oyster and the pink oyster which i think will be mega popular um but mm -hmm. we've got all the varieties we've got white blue pearl and we've got the lion's mane mushroom which has always been popular and it's it's something that if if you want to get something that no one's ever seen before like it's definitely if you've got someone that's hard to buy for you get them a lion's mane grow kit because i'm sure they'll never have seen that before yeah one quick question before we get out of here why do the lion's mane like how do they grow little hairs do you have like a quick sort of scientific explanation of why they grow the little like the pinning or the hairs or whatever they're called compared to just like a yeah. flat top one i don't have the the true science behind it but essentially <laughs> it's just a, it's just the different species of mushroom um it's just it's just the phenotype of that specific species that just grows yeah. those icicles mm -hmm. um so yeah, it grows out. It looks like it, it grows like a, like a pom-pom and yeah. um, it's like this fluffy white ball and people are fascinated by that. Um, and yeah, it, it's got that, like you said at the start, making like crab cakes out of, out of a lion's mane mushroom. There's um, it's got that, that seafoody texture to it. It can be like fish or, or crab. Um, mm. And some people say it tastes like lobster if you, if you cook it in butter. So it's got a lot of differences that oyster mushrooms don't have. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just the species. Yeah. I mean, most people are just only know agaricus mushrooms, which are your white button mushrooms that you see in the shop. And that's mm -hmm. just, yes, one of many different fungi that's available. And so, yeah, that's allowing people to grow these different mushrooms really like opens up the door to what is available in the fungi kingdom. Yeah, I would say anyone that's listening or watching and you're interested, head over to the Little Acre website. And I would say just try the lines, man. Go a bit exotic. Try something you've never tried before. Yeah. Everyone's had oyster mushrooms obviously mm -hmm. the pink ones and stuff are a bit more vibrant yeah. and stuff but try try the lines man it, was, yeah. it impressed yeah. us dramatically yeah or even their new new gold one. Oh, do you have any uh recipes at all for the new mushroom coming out well <laughs> Ooh. good good branding recipe on the back here <laughs> yeah Perfect. so all the all the packs have the recipes on the back um the the the, the gold one it's got a, a really nutty taste to it mm -hmm. um and they're the the once you see them in person, they look amazing, but they're extremely fragile. So when you when you pick them off, um, even just handling them, they can start breaking up. So you'll never find these in the supermarket. Um, and but if you fry them up and get them really crispy and put them over a pasta, it's just like an alternative to like pine nuts. It's real. It's got an amazing texture wow. and flavor. This nutty, crispy mushroom over a pasta is perfect. So hungry. All right, already. that's making me so hungry. <laughs> All right, we'll get you out of here and get back to boxing up all the, the substrates and stuff. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for taking your time out of the, your busy day. We, we honestly love the brand, yeah, love the entire concept. been an absolute pleasure. Like this whole time I've just been like in awe of just listening to everything you say. I'm like, oh, it's so cool. That's yeah, amazing. Even just like the business <laughs> oh, aspect you. and chasing chasing your dreams and just mm -hmm. going after it. Um, Yeah, love, yeah. love everything you guys are doing. Yeah, love the hustle. Beautiful. Thanks. Thanks so much, Drew and Sarah, for having me. It's been great to talk about everything mushrooms. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, everybody, don't forget to go follow Little Acre on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They've also got a Facebook as well. They even have a little YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, go onto their website and just just try one. That's all All you have to really do is just give it a go. You, you can't lose. It's you're gonna. It's going to be a new experience. Yeah. You're going to find a, You're going to Google a new recipe to try mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. Yeah, they make it so easy, so simple. All the instructions are in there. Yeah, it's 
It's awesome. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening to episode number 24 with Mickey from Live Laker. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, rather, mm-hmm. Spotify. That one. And yep. the video version on YouTube if you want to see Mickey's beautiful face. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, see everyone. Ya. Bye.